0: I'm, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Tim Brown. I'm John Brown's dad. And I think somebody is saying, you're not John Brown's dad. You're not pretty enough. <laughs> well, if you don't believe me, take a look at this. That's circa 1984, I think. Um, that was back in the. I was the pastor at Christ Memorial Church, and that was the day when they did night church, you know. So I would preach as short a sermon as I possibly could, and we'd dart down to Clearbrook and get as many holes in as we possibly could. Well, that was then, and here's one from this past winter. (laughs) There we are doing what we love to do most, cheering on the University of Michigan. Uh, Anyway, thank you for letting me be here. Um, John is out at Camp Geneva, as I said, lucky him. Uh, Lucky them, and I'm here, lucky me. So I'm grateful. I'm going to tell you a story in in just a minute. It's a long story. I'm I'm not making up. It's right in the Bible. You'll recognize it, I'm sure. Um, But there's there's an old practice uh, in the church, a, a conviction, really. The best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. So as I'm telling you this story and then unpacking it as best I possibly can, here are some of the scriptures that are in the back of my mind, like this one from King David, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. That that passage is in my mind as I'm thinking about this. And and here's another one from Colossians. Clothe yourselves, dearly beloved, in compassion, meekness, humility. That's going to be in my mind. And here's still another one. This is a really important one. Uh, Actually, the words of Jesus in the last chapter of the Bible. Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Come. Let those who hear say, come. Let everyone who is thirsty come and drink from the water of life without price. I'm going to interpret this story through those lens. Now, pray with me, please. Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen with me to these words from the book that we love. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees took exception and they said to him, look, that man eats with publicans and sinners. Then Jesus told them a parable. There was a man who had two sons, one younger, one older. The younger son came to the father and said, Father, divide the inheritance and give me that which belongs to me. So the father divided the property and gave the younger son that which he would have received. And he gathered up all that he had and went to a far country. And there he squandered his inheritance in dissolute living. A famine came to the land and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. And he was sent to work among the pigs. And the son said to himself, What a fool am I? My father's servants have better to eat than this. I know what I will do. I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Please, let me work as one of your servants. And the father said to him, Come, bring the best robe and put it on him and and a ring on his finger and come and have a great feast with us. So they had a great feast because, as the father said, My son was lost, but now he was found. He was dead, but now he is alive. The older son, who was working in the fields, came to the city and he heard music and laughter and he said to one of the slaves what's going on the slave said to him your younger brother has come home and the father is celebrating and the older brother was angry and he called for his father and his father came out and he said to him you have not so much as given me a calf that i could celebrate with my friends and this your son who has squandered his life with prostitutes you throw him a feast the father said to the son all all that i have has always been yours your brother was lost and now he's found he is dead but now he's alive this is the word of the Lord. Uh, F. Dale Bruner, you don't have to remember that name, but he's a wonderful, wonderful New Testament scholar whom I love and admire, uh, once said if there was only one chapter to the Bible, this would have to be that chapter. This tells the whole story of grace. And what, I, what I'd like to do is just say a few things about it before we come hungry to the table. And here's the first thing. Were you taken as I was by how gracious and interesting Jesus is? I mean, he's eating with publicans and sinners. Why? Because they loved him. And he loved them. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, jesus said i have not come for the righteous but for the unrighteous you have to be willing to get in touch with all that is unrighteous within you so that this story can be lavishly applied to your life i just find that so and then the pharisees come and upbraid jesus and they say this man eats with publicans and sinners all to which I want to say, yeah, that's the point. Of course he eats with publicans and sinners. That's who he had come to save. Uh, uh, there, oh, I, gotta, I love it when John does this. He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out his phone <laughs> and reads, so I'm just copying him now. <laughs> um, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, do you know this name? the fearsome French warlord, monster of a man, Uh, he once gave serious consideration to the claims of Jesus on his life. I I, I wouldn't know that, except that Philip Yancey has done some very good research on Napoleon, and he found this. And here's what he said. This is Napoleon. Napoleon, everything in Jesus astonishes me. His spirit overaws me, and his will confounds me. Between him and whoever else in all the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Jesus is a being all to himself. Here is everything extraordinary. Isn't that interesting? Of course it's extraordinary. And of course they were listening to him with great interest because Jesus Christ is everything extraordinary. That's that's the first thing I want to say. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, here's the second thing I want to say. This passage, I mean, that, that is just the introduction to the parable. He hasn't even told the parable yet, but this parable functions like a mirror for us to see ourselves. Can you see yourself in this parable? Are you any one of the characters? I I know I am. I am in oscillating rhythms, both the older son and the younger son, like the younger son, give me, give me now. I want this now. And like the older son, pouty and angry because his younger brother has gotten something that he didn't have. This scripture is trying to tell us Who we really are but good news we are very great sinners but Christ is a very great Savior that's the whole point Jesus Christ came to save it was Thomas Merton who once said Thomas Merton was a um, a very wise Catholic priest in the earlier part of this century he once said sin is giving God a mask When God is looking for a face, He wants us to be honest with Him. And this scripture passage is urging us to be honest in just that way. It's C.S. Lewis who once wrote in his autobiography, I think you'll find this pretty interesting. For the first time in my life, I examined myself with a seriously practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me most, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. I mean, it's it's not like the happiest thing to say to people on a Sunday morning, but you need to look at yourself through this scripture passage. And if you find there what you don't like, like C.S. Lewis did, you come running. Um, If this scripture passage were cast as a motion picture, Which part do you think Jesus would play? Well, he certainly wouldn't play the publicans and sinners, of course not. And he had absolutely nothing good to say about the pinched-faced Pharisees. So who would he be? I think Jesus would be the Father. Everything about the Father's temperament, his sentiment, his actions seem exactly like Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Father in this picture. And, and there's biblical support for that. Jesus once said, I and the Father are one. The Nicene Creed called Jesus and the Father of the same substance. Everything about Jesus and the Father are commingled. He is the Father who goes to the end of the property line. Hey, do you have that slide of the Sea of Galilee? I want to show you something pretty interesting. Okay, do you see up on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee the three villages, Capernaum, Chorazin, and Bethsaida? They're only about six miles apart. Uh, Some archaeologists refer to this as the evangelical triangle. Jesus did ninety percent of his miracles and seventy percent seventy-five percent of all of his teaching in that little triangle now the prodigal son goes off to a far country do you know where he went? he went to that city on the east side of the Sea of Galilee called Hippos that was referred to as a far country so There he spends all of his wealth on dissolute living. Doesn't that make your mind wonder, well, what was he doing? Dissolute living. And the father, he's only eight miles away from his father. And you know how sound carries over the water. If a band is playing at Boatworks, you can hear it out by the state park. It just, noise carries. So the father goes every day and looks over to Hippos where his son is and he's feeling so bad for him and he wants him home. If this story were cast as a motion picture, Jesus would play the part of the waiting father because that's exactly who he is. He comes to us again and again. Uh, Take this as biblical proof. come the spirit and the bride say come let him who hears say come let those who are thirsty come and drink from the water of life without price jesus christ has the temperament of the father and that should be very good news for all of us i think one of the realities of this of this story is it's mirroring our lives And who here I would love to see a show of hands has no need of a Savior who here has never sinned who here has never been disappointed in your reaction to something you said or did not one no not one of us is that but Jesus Christ is there waiting for you I love that about him don't you okay I I promised I wouldn't preach too long today so I want I want you to come with me I'm turning the clock back now maybe I think I'm turning the clock back 40 years did you know that ministers by the Internal Revenue Service are considered self-employed so you, you have to pay a fairly large portion of tax back to the government. Um, yeah, I mean, ministers don't make that much, so it's not too big of a deal. However, uh, in the early days of our marriage, Nancy will probably be squirming, uh, I just had this notion that it was my job as the man to handle the family finances. Problem with that is I was terrible at it Uh, That finally changed and ever since Nancy's been in charge, and it's just been perfect Uh, But we were a week away from tax day, and I was $3,000 short On my taxes I was I was so overwrought with anxiety. I, I I didn't know what to do. I couldn't sleep well I knew my dad's early morning schedule. He would get to the office about 6. He was a building contractor. He would meet with all the subcontractors and then send them out. And about 7.15, he'd be all alone. I was living in Chicago, so I went to my office at 6.15, and I called him. And when I heard his voice, I said, hi, Dad, it's Tim. He said, Tuber, how are you? That was my childhood nickname, Tuber. They called me Tuber because as a boy, I had this large, fleshy inner tube around my midsection. (laughs) Nobody calls me Tuber today, (laughs) so don't even try. Well, I heard his voice, and I started to cry. I thought, there I'm talking to my father. He said, what's wrong? I said, Dad... I'm so embarrassed. It's tax day in just seven days, and I'm $3,000 short. You know what he said? If that's your problem, you don't have a problem. I'll ask Mom to cut you a check. And he did, she did, and we got it. And then I started to grovel, and I'm saying, Dad, I'm so sorry. I I promise I'll pay it back a little bit at a time. (laughs) I can still remember him saying, Hey, you're a minister. Don't you get this? It's a gift. Just take it. So when he was saying that, I was thinking of another father. The one who said, Look, my son is back. Get him a robe clothe him in the righteousness of Jesus, give him a ring so he has access to all the resources in the family, and let's have a celebration. The point being that Jesus Christ is just waiting for us to acknowledge our weakness and to come on the run to his gracious embrace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen pray with me, please. Father, how we bless you for your stunning generosity, your kindness toward us. And I pray, Lord, that you would draw us to yourself, relieve us of the anxieties that we carry, and let us meet you, the gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.